So HBO Max has released a new docu-series called The Way Down, and it's about a church, which many would call a cult, located in Nashville called the Remnant Fellowship. This evangelical church cult was founded by a woman named Gwen Shamblin Laura, who became famous by writing a book called The Way Down Diet, which advertises itself as a faith-based permanent solution to weight loss. The premise of the book, which turned into a whole ministry conglomerate, is that the only solution to permanent weight loss is through prayer and following God's rules for eating. And the God she's referencing in the book is the God in the Christian Bible. So that's a little background on what the docuseries is about. We'll be putting out recap episodes for each episode of the docuseries every week or so, and we'll be interviewing someone that attended the Remnant Fellowship once on a later episode. Welcome to Nobody Asked for This, The Way Down Takedown, Part 2. Okay, so this episode of The Way Down miniseries on HBO Max is called A Family Affair. And it opens with some shots of Joe Lara, who, fun fact, was Tarzan in a TV movie called Tarzan in Manhattan. I don't think I'll be going back to try to watch it, but it was fun to touch down on the long-haired 90s Fabio. <laughs> so Joe is who Gwen married in about 2018. And his origin story is that he grew up in San Diego from a wealthy family. He started to pursue acting and kind of just moved in with women that were older than him that would support his lifestyle. Sounds familiar, right? Um, It also mentioned that he was always evading taxes. Also, that theme might return in his life later. Um, Some foreshadowing, one might say. Yeah. uh, His habits continued throughout his life. But anyway, he started a relationship with this woman named Natasha Pavlovich, and they moved to Nashville and had a daughter, and Joe started a country music career. So Natasha's like, eventually, I want us to move out to Chicago. All of my family is there. And when she starts to request that, even like in around 2015, Joe filed a sexual abuse claim against his daughter's mother so that they could not leave. Totally like bogus. Like it was just a manipulation tactic just to prevent her from getting what she wanted. And caused so much trauma to their daughter because she got arrested. I mean, literally taken away. Well, the the mother got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. The mother got arrested. Yeah. The daughter had to sit there and watch that happen, which I can't even imagine how traumatizing that must have been. Right. And so the claims were found false. I don't know if it was even got to court, but they, I don't think it did, but they were found false. And so obviously there's this big like schism in their relationship. They weren't married, the two of them, they were uh, dating, but had a daughter together. So shortly after that, 
Joe finds Gwen through this like handyman networking thing and sees an opportunity, let's say. I think that they both saw an opportunity in each other. Mm -hmm. We'll get to her motives later. But um, he saw this woman that, guess what, had a recording studio in the church. This uh, guy. Yeah, he was pursuing his country music career. So convenient. What a quinky dink to fall in love Mm -hmm. with someone who owns a building with a recording studio. Yeah, yeah. And in her own right, has a lot of people following her and paying attention to her. Huh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. He was getting like fame automatically. He was getting money automatically. He was getting to evade his taxes automatically. Like, and present this lifestyle that he had always wanted to maintain of just, you know, I think some of it was probably like uh, holier than thou, like, I'm so perfect kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and Gwen gave that to him, which is also, I think, what she wanted from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so interesting that he came from a wealthy family and yet his whole life, he's kind of just finding someone else to mooch on. Like even mm-hmm. in LA, they say yeah. he lived with a woman who bought him things. And then as soon as he, she found out he cheated on her, she kicked him out and he didn't go get his own place. He found someone else to go be with and live in their house. Like just the constant. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's women hopping. If that's a term. It is now. I just couldn't get the image out of my head. I thought it was so funny when he, they were talking about him buying a piece of land just so that he could be out there and evading his taxes and get into falconry. <laughs> that literally made me laugh out loud. I was like, what? <laughs> the weird hobbies that rich people come up with. <laughs> Honestly. And in Gwen's case, it's fat phobia. <laughs> oh, you said it. <laughs> the oh. hobby of fat phobia. <laughs> what are your hobbies? Uh, fat phobia. <laughs> Hating fat people. <laughs> Stealing money from vulnerable people. <laughs> Running yeah. a call. Innovating taxes. <laughs> <laughs> the Gwen Chamlin story. So <laughs> story. <laughs> Premiering on Lifetime, Friday at 6 p.m. Four and a half hour movie. <laughs> she girl bossed too hard, as Katie said. Girl last episode. Too hard. <laughs> oh. oh my God. So then we find out that Gwen was married before um, to a man named David Chamlin who actually had his MDiv. I thought that was so interesting. So that's the Masters of Divinity. And he was a big part of the church and the programs. And then he stopped coming. And that coincided with weight gain for him. So he kind of stopped showing up to church at church and the festivals. And pretty much the thought is that because Gwen didn't want him to be seen because he was gaining weight and he actually didn't want a divorce, even though he was really separating himself from the church um, because he said that, or he, yeah, I guess he told someone that he didn't like the way that Gwen was profiting so much off of the church. So it sounds like he had a moral compass possibly. I can't get over the fact that he had a master's of divinity, listened to his wife, announced the new church while also saying what he what she said about the trinity and was like oh yeah 
I'm going to keep supporting this and be part of the founding of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, way to go, babe. Way to go. Like that wasn't a red flag to him. Anyway. Yeah. So the optics aren't looking good for Gwen because her husband has gained a lot of weight after doing this way down workshop and, but he's still praying. So what is, what's the issue? Nobody can see this because then they might come to their own conclusions that intentional weight loss doesn't work. So she wants a divorce. However, she's been preaching against divorce for a very long time. She has not literally not allowed women in her church to get divorces that have been cheated on and dealing with infidelity, et cetera. And so then enters Helen Bird. And you can just also call this episode the Helen Bird fan club. Yes. Because <laughs> she was my very favorite part of this. Mm-hmm. They can like, miss her with all of it. They can miss her with all of it. <laughs> she was like, oh, hell no. Because Gwen is makes an announcement that she's going to get a divorce. And it's like, oh, hell no miss me with that shit. You've been saying for years that God doesn't like divorce for any reason, for any reason. And now here you are getting a divorce. Okay. So Um, oftentimes in scripture, we got to, I got to address this. Oftentimes in scripture, this, the idea about what is acceptable quote unquote for a divorce to take place are like three things, abuse, uh, neglect, and, um, or like a, a loss of faith and um, uh, uh, um, infidelity. Infidelity. That's the word I couldn't think of. And it's so fascinating to me because if you actually look at the culture of who Jesus is speaking to in the time that he's speaking to them, when he talks about this, he's talking to uh, a culture where women are considered property, where uh, a family marries a woman off. And that woman is now fully reliant on the man she's married to, where she has no say in how she's treated or in what happens in their relationship. And he has all the say and can throw her on the curb whenever he pleases for any reason whatsoever. That's what's happening. There is no equity in the power dynamic. And so when Jesus is saying, men, here are the reasons you can divorce your wife, he's bringing down they're uh, what they're able to do, what he's telling them that their reasons can be. But then he says the same thing to the women and says, oh, and here are the reasons you can divorce your husband. So he's bringing an equitable balance to the relationship that didn't exist in the culture. But we want to read it as here are the three reasons that you can get divorced. It's a little sermon on the Mount info for you. (laughs) And if you were wondering what our, or I should say my opinions on divorce is, if you want to do it, you should do it. All relationships are valid in whatever form uh, feels good to you, as long as it is not abusive and as long as it is consensual. And I totally agree with you, Megan. Um, and And I think the other thing that has to be noted is that it was more of a business relationship back then. It wasn't, mm-hmm. in, it wasn't seen in the way that we understand marriage today, even mm-hmm. though the church and state have kind of co-opted and co-mingle when it comes to marriage anymore. But it, it, it was not the same contextually, culturally that it is today. So even in saying that, the ability to really apply that to today is just not, there isn't that clear of a practice in how you can really do that. It's like you said on the last episode, it's like we're putting our culture, our current cultural values on a text that was not written in our, in with the same values of that time. Right. 
Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing is the divorce that that Gwen and David get, um, there's not a big gap between that divorce and her relationship starting with Joe Laura. I'm not, not sure exactly all. on the timeline, but a very small gap there. So Helen Bird is mad and we're mad with her. For sure. Weren't they married for 40 years, David? And Yeah, 40 years. And then in like the blink of an eye, it's over and she's already got arm candy. Yes, yes. Note that Joe Lara, former Tarzan, has a thin body mm-hmm. and might uh, reinforce her troubled oh. values mm-hmm. and yeah. image. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that she said, they, they show a clip of Gwen on her TV show, I guess, and she's clearly defending her divorce and her then remarriage. And she says, we're going to stop generational curses and talking about family dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And the, I, ugh, I just, to try and co-opt the idea of like general generational trauma into this biblical idea of a generational curse is so problematic because really generational trauma is about um, marginalized people and passing down that trauma from oppression from person to person. So to say that it, that that could be a curse that God is putting on someone is victim blaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. That whole section just made me so uncomfortable and you could just see the sweatiness of her being like, I know it wasn't okay for all of y'all, but it is going to be okay for me. I wonder if that somehow informed, like kind of reinforced her whole way down philosophy too, about like um, genetic or hereditary health issues too. Like if you only like pray away, you know, and how often like people equate health and like medical issues with weight and like saying okay if you only like pray when you're hungry then you'll fix your like generational curses when it comes to your health too yes such a good point katie because that thread goes throughout uh because later in the story when you know bad things are happening to gwen's family the church is like, well, are you displeasing God? Is God bringing judgment on us? And they say, yep. And it's probably one of you all that's doing it. Mm-hmm. Like they point the figure back at the congregation. Wow. So Joe and Gwen get married. Uh, now we want to move on to Gwen's children who they talk about. She has uh, her son who is the oldest child, Michael, and then her daughter, Elizabeth. So the members that are being interviewed talk about how they are treated as a prince and a princess among the congregation They're They have a lot of influence, a lot of roles. They're very respected. Um, the very sad thing is that Elizabeth gets married and loses her child at five months old. I can't imagine the issue with crediting God for all of your success is that then you have to credit God for the failings in your life. Yep. So when Elizabeth lost her very young child, 
they really didn't want to talk about it very much because then that was like, well, what's going on in our family that God is displeased with to cause this to happen. So she wasn't really allowed to grieve. It sounds like, which is fucking abuse Mm -hmm. to lose a child and then not be allowed to express that. And you can see her entire demeanor change. She, she, she looks like she is struggling Mm -hmm. and it's really, really sad to see. So instead of, um, the fam, the Shamblin Laura family going, what, what is God displeased with in us? They started bringing families in from the church to say, what are you doing wrong that this happened, which is wild and predatory. Yep. And this whole, this kind of whole situation really speaks to the prosperity gospel. And so they really are taking a page out of uh, Joel Olstein. I'll just say it <laughs> and <laughs> several others, you know, that if you are good in good standing and doing well, then good things happen to you, which is just like not ever promised. It's almost the opposite as what's promised in scripture that you will be persecuted and things like that. Um, I also feel like that's kind of like where the secret came from too. Like, Oh, I don't know anything about the secret. Did don't it? worry about it. <laughs> Let it miss you. Is Let it miss you. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, this is not that uncommon. There are a couple of instances that have happened in the last several years and some pretty well-known um, kind of uh, um culturally modern evangelical churches, I'll say, where there has been, we're praying for healing, we're believing for healing for a child, and then the child dies, and then what do you do? Um, so it's a, a, just like you're saying, Megan, it really doesn't allow people to recognize the pain and the trauma that they really need to process, and it totally changes who you are, which is what it's right. done to Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't process your grief, it's going to come out later and it's going to come out bigger. And so Elizabeth is sort of being groomed to take over for Gwen on the church. And one of the members who's being ex members who's being interviewed said, Gwen would love it if Michael would take over. However, uh, there are some quote unquote issues with Michael. He has left the church several times. He is suffering with depression and his weight fluctuates. And when his weight is up, his presence on the stage and his visibility decreases because she's got to deal with this again after it happened with her husband, because she can't use him as a model for way down success anymore. But you can't divorce your kids. So it's kind of like, you know, he was sent, they would send him up to do his songs because he was also pursuing a music career. So they would go up and do the songs. And then as soon as he was done, he would go off stage. Because what else can they do yeah. with him? Yeah. Right. And members talked about his appearance as well. Just like looking like he was living hard and struggling basically. And now I want to transition to this anonymous member who in the episode is called Sarah. They've de-identified her. Um, but that's her. What do you call that? Like um, good in Pseudonym. Thank you. That's her pseudonym. And Sarah was uh, married and had children within the church and wanted out. 
because she talks about how she struggled with an eating disorder in like middle school and high school. And she, then she started doing the way down workshop after joining remnant. And she says, quote, if I continued to practice the teachings of remnant fellowship, I knew I was going to die. And she's somebody who ended up in the church without knowing about the way down workshop. It was only after she started attending that she even heard of it. I just like that, that hit me when she said that, because Mm -hmm. she's without saying it specifically, she's saying this program is an eating disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That will kill you. So basically she tells Gwen that she wants to get out. And Gwen says, if you leave, every dollar that we have will be used in court proceedings to allow your husband to have full custody of your child. Um, wow. So she's like, okay, uh, I need a different way out. So she starts a relationship with Michael, Gwen's son. Michael is also married. And they're both struggling. And I think they kind of see each other as like um, co-conspirators a little bit that are like stuck in this place that's being so harmful to both of them. Um, So they're, they're, you know, seeing each other when they can secretly. And then finally, Sarah says to Michael, you have to tell your mom to stop with the legal fight to not um, try to get my child taken away from me. Otherwise I'll tell everyone about our affair and it worked. And she also takes responsibility and says, I know that I took advantage of Michael, which I think it's important for her to say. And then she says, but when I weighed that with all the harm that's being done to me and my child, that was a hard decision that I had to make. Well, and it just speaks to what we see, particularly in this episode, just a whole lot of cult behavior that continues to be come to the forefront here, Um, that people feel pushed into a corner, that they have no other options, that that was the only way she saw being able to keep her kids safe, you know, and and not um, influenced in the way she had been influenced um, to where she thought this was going to kill her, you know? Yeah. Ooh, so sad. It's so sad. One of the kind of people they're interviewing is this cult expert named Paul Morantz. And he kind of distinguishes that there's a lot of cults out there, but where you really have to get concerned is when there are destructive and abusive behaviors within the cult. And he kind of distinguishes between that, which I thought was interesting. I had never really considered there could be a cult that wasn't destructive or abusive, Um, but there we go. And that one of the main ways we see this is that they exist, the group is existing to serve the needs of uh, the people in charge, as opposed to, so Gwen, as opposed to, um, you know, Gwen and the leadership existing to um, help and serve the act, the people of the that are part of the cult. And I think that um, 
we see this time and again, and this is one of those ways where I sit, where Gwen is clearly not concerned with this person who was called Sarah, um, and even concerned with the family unit as much as she's adamant against divorced most of the time and, <laughs> and is wanting to make sure that that child stays within the cult at whatever cost, literally, mm-hmm. that that would mean for them. Um, no offer of reconciliation, no offer of counsel, you know, counseling or conversations. It's an immediate, nope. Okay. If you leave your, we're going to make sure your kid doesn't leave with you. We're going to destroy um, your life. Right. Right. Which is just, we see that time and again, right? That is a cult behavior. Um, I think the other thing we see often and we hear about in this episode is the exploiting of tax codes to hide their money. They have these businesses operating under the church. You know, they haven't talked in depth about how some of that kind of uh, account is accounted for, but we, we know that um, oftentimes churches that also have kind of businesses on the side are able to, through kind of 501c3 qualifications, um, get away with donations and then having tax write-offs because of those donations. And so it's just a continual cycle. And we also know that because they're not held to the same standard as other businesses, that they are not going to be, you know, looked into as thoroughly maybe as some other, um, you know, kind of more secure companies would have to be. Um, Another thing that they mention at one point is that members are required to do the way down programming, but it's not something the church offers for free. If you're, even if you're a member of the, of the remnant fellowship, you still have to pay to be part of the programs. Any, anybody hearing some Scientology in there? Anybody? Yes. So Um, many, so many parallels to Scientology. So many. And the other thing with this businesses, having all these businesses is that they, they also were enlisting their membership to provide their services to the membership and kind of promote them. Some of them were, um, kind of their own business and promoted and had a lot of church members that were their clients. Some were actual businesses of the church that hired people of the church. And this is another way that if you're thinking you might leave, it's no longer like, okay, I'm going to walk away from my community. It's, oh, and my livelihood. Yeah. It's another, it's another way of keeping people tethered to you um, and within the cult and not able to, um, to move on in any way. We talked a lot about community last week, and I think this was a huge piece of why a lot of people weren't able to kind of leave when they felt like they should leave because it meant they might not be able to pay their bills. Yeah. Back to what you said about the, them being required to do mm-hmm. the way down and pay for it. There's a clip of her on her TV show, I guess. And she actually says, instead of buying food, buy this diet book. She does. Mm-hmm. Extra food. She says, instead of buying extra food this week, just, you've got to get this book. And it's mm-hmm. like a second edition or something. Cause it's called the way down works exclamation. Point. Oh, so she's getting money that way too, making yeah. new editions and then selling new editions. Right. And it's not just the program either. It's the books, it's the journals, it's the t-shirts, it's the mugs, it's mm-hmm. all of the, the DVDs surrounding. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. And it all goes straight into her pocket. Sure does. Interestingly, we see some of these practices um, in some other kind of larger churches in the U.S. currently. Um, and maybe even like one really big church that was founded in Australia, I'll just say. Um, and, uh, you know, there are um, where kind of, I'll just say like the, the face of everything, we'll call it like the, they would call it the senior pastor, <laughs> doesn't actually get a paycheck from the church, is actually making their money by their books that they're writing, by the record label that they're running which is their band. And then the Sunday morning is when the music is put out. So the people want to go buy it. It's that's what's where they're getting paid and they're able to use the church platform as a marketing um, free marketing. And there are people tithing to the church on top of all that. And so, you know, it's a great area in a lot of places that aren't being called cults um, and certainly mm-hmm. one to be examined, you know, mm-hmm. Well, it's like L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, before he created Scientology, was like, the best way to make money is to create a religion and to create a mm-hmm. church. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, science fiction writer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we've talked a little bit about this in relationship to divorce, but everyone has to operate under this set of rules, but we don't necessarily have to operate under those rules. It's interesting because... Um, they would also have these big festivals on their property, which I'm like, what did they, I don't even know exactly what they did. They just like Joe played music. It's like his mm-hmm. way to be a country Christian music star. Coachella, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I guess. Joe Cella. Joe Cella. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's exactly right. It's called God is fun. <laughs> God that is, is fun. so corny. God is fun. And that woman who is like, when you've just made religion fun, it's never been fun before. Yeah. Real fun. Counting all those calories and not eating. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess at some point, the practice of bringing gifts to a festival was like a thing. I've like never heard of any kind of festival being that way. And um, I guess at one point they just told people to stop bringing gifts and just to bring cash. Because <laughs> they needed it. Because they, well, apparently, the, according the to them, they had church is poor. The church, yeah. church is poor. Yeah. Can you imagine? Then we hear from Ranch Guy, and I'm forgetting what Ranch Guy's name was, but essentially he kind of says, I grew up Baptist. I'm not a particularly religious person. My wife was really into Gwen. She basically said to me, Move me to Nashville and I'll never ask you for anything ever again. And he said, Deal. And they did. And they became friends with Gwen uh, and Joe. Then he tells the story that after Gwen got divorced, his son said to him, well, I hope you're prepared. Mom's going to divorce you now because if Gwen did it, she's going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. And now, um, and, and ranch guy mentions that Joe has seen his ranch and, and made a comment that he likes it and he'd like to have it. And so now he's going to most likely lose his ranch. Yeah. Um, because they put their money behind his wife to get everything they could for the church from this, this, from this guy, really. So they just continue to have that, you know, this behavior of whatever we need, we get, and whatever you need, as long as we, as long as you're uh, malleable to what we ask of you, 
then we'll, you know, you'll kind of keep on keeping on, but don't question anything because we'll, right. we'll sick all of our money and lawyers on you in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point they talk about how Gwen just got all of her services for free. She never paid for anything. Her hair, her hair, her nails, whatever it was that she needed, that it just was done for free. People just come to their house and do it for free. They also talk about how, how much her image changed. Like they describe her in the nineties as this like Southern housewife Mm -hmm. image. And then I want to be very clear. This is in quotes. I did not say this. One of the interviewers now said that she looked like a strong out hooker. Uh, Again, not my words. I wouldn't use those words, but there is definitely like a, a change in the image that she's projecting. And a lot of members felt that that was sort of a, also a change in her priorities going into like the image that she's projecting, not only of herself and her family, but church members as well, because they say, um, you know, you can't make the church look good if you're overweight. So that's why she's so stringent on this program, because if one of her members is quote unquote overweight, and again, I just want to say that that word is pejorative to fat people, Mm -hmm. that it reflects back on her and her leadership. Yeah. And even Badly. she, she goes as far as to say bad on God reflects bad on Zion actually is the yes. language she uses. Reflects bad on God. <laughs> well, especially yeah. when she has declared herself the prophet, then if it's not going according to plan, then it might pose a, a weak link. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's not exactly as she says it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knows she can't really defend it. So she has to hide it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So we've kind of seen this, we've heard these stories, this pattern of them taking people to court, you know, throwing everything at them to get whatever they wanted. The second somebody comes out against them. And we talked at the front of the episode about the family, um, about Joe and about David and Gwen, but Joe also had, um, a child with Natasha, as we discussed, and there's a huge custody battle at play. And Natasha is all, is not one to be messed with. Okay? I love her. Mm-hmm. Natasha so at one point says, oh, we, I had all these lawyers and they got me nowhere. So I just decided to represent myself and she's winning. She's winning in court, right? To the point where they were trying to get full custody. Um, and she, uh, we learned that they have joint custody, that they were able to get joint custody and she's starting to write her appeal. Um, so all these for herself, her full cast. Yeah. And so she, and she's putting everything in it. She's putting all the things. And, um, what we know about, um, appeals is that they're public record. And so now the church is like, be gone. We, how do we get rid of this? We do not want this to become public record. I say the church, I mean, Gwen, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Doesn't well, want one this to happen. Same. Yeah, exactly. It's one in the same. And, um, and Natasha's like, okay, you can talk all you want to me. I'm writing my appeal. It's happening. We're moving forward with this. Um, and I think it's worth saying that the whole reason that they fight so hard for custody in the first place is because Gwen, her whole view is that 
she needs to keep the kids in the church because that's how she keeps it going. And when the kids are brought up in the church and they're so indoctrinated in that philosophy of everything, then it's rare that they would want anything different when they got older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you have somebody who's changing their tune from, we need full custody of this child because she, the, the daughter was abused by her mother uh-huh. to mm-hmm. just kidding. It's fine. Uh, we actually don't want to pursue this anymore. It just shows you that their intents in the first place were not to protect the child, yeah. but to protect the church. Mm-hmm. And here's what I don't understand. Cause when the lawyer for the other calls Natasha and is like, you're doing, you know, I've never gone up against somebody who wasn't a lawyer. You know, he's really trying to butter her up to say, mm-hmm. I think we're ready to come to an agreement outside of court, you know, cause they, he knows, they know what's coming with the appeal. And, um, she flat out asked like, well, is Joe going to acknowledge and, um, say that he made all that up when he accused me of abusing our daughter? And you can hear the guy kind of like, Ooh, I, yeah, I think he'd be willing to do that. You know, but here's what I don't understand about the situation. If a if a if somebody lies about the other caregiver of their child in this way, why do they still have parental rights? Yeah, because they're backed by a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Is the only thing I can think to answer. Not just money, but also legal experts who are members of the church. Like they said that there was a lawyer who was a member of the church who would fight, who would represent all of the parents who are also members of the church who are also fighting for custody of their children from people mm-hmm. ag- like against people who have left the church. Right. So it's not just the money. It's also the people who are members who can provide their services just like they did for Gwen with all of her hair and makeup and cooking and all of that mm-hmm. for to, to, to represent the church's interests. Totally. And Natasha's, we hear a clip of Natasha's mother talking about this and Natasha's uh, has said right before that, that she believes that she was being followed and surveilled and her mother is in tears because she's worried for Natasha's life. She yeah. thinks that Gwen, the church, someone is going to murder her. Mm-hmm. And that was like, Ooh, Scientology. And I'll be like, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to that directly, but I can imagine that, you know, you wouldn't want to do anything that you can to save your child. But like, I remember very vividly, seeing the closed captioning of her mom on the phone saying, you know, is this still worth it? Like, is this Mm. still, you know, at a certain point, like, is it better to just, you know, say, I love you, but like, we can't, like, I'm worried for your safety as well. Right. Right. Because if she dies, then who's going to advocate for that child? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I feel like just feeds back into the whole, cues of the cult, you know, and intimidation tactic of, you know, if we can strong arm you, then that will protect our interests. So basically, there is just a whole machine from the Remnant Fellowship that's helping protect it from a legal perspective. Um, And at the end of this episode, they kind of previewed a a cliffhanger for this one. 
where they there was an investigation or a raid of one of the Exodus Industries, which is one of the businesses that operates under the church, one of their warehouses. And the whole point was that they thought that the church was hiding evidence or a cover up for this crime that had been committed. A, a child, correct me if I'm wrong, a child had been murdered and they mm-hmm. were, the parents were accused um, of that crime. And the church was representing the parents because they were members of the church, I believe. And so it's just, I mean, it's horrible, first of all, that that had even happened. They had somehow attributed it or in um, context attributed it to the whole church philosophy of if you're overweight, you can't represent the church well. If your children are disobedient, you can't represent the church well. And that escalated to the point where parents were taking matters into their own hands about disobedient children. And that is just... I mean, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. When you have Gwen on interviews saying that she was inspired by the Holocaust to create this eating program Mm -hmm. because people in death camps lost weight rapidly. um, Then you think about what that, that person who is inspired by that looks like as a parent or as a caregiver Mm -hmm. and what they might be suggesting the model techniques. Yeah. And, and back at the, at the very beginning of the episode, you see on like a news, um, like a news special, you see this man asking Gwen, do you think it's appropriate for you to use the Holocaust to promote your weight less plan? And she is literally ushered out by her handler because she starts to answer and her handler like pushes her out of the room (laughs) because she knows she's about to say some more problematic shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she wavers for a second Mm -hmm. it's just I mean this isn't also the the only instance of this either because Delaney's parents which was a callback from the first episode Delaney's parents come up in this again and talk about how her the parents talk about how her daughter's now husband has just informed them that they've gotten married and that um or that 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 they will be married and the parents say you know if this is going to be in the church then we can't we can't be there and he's the um Delaney's husband just said all right well I guess you're not going to be there and they were saying that their biggest concern for Delaney is that if she ever decides that she wants to leave um, that she would have to go to court to get custody. And that would be a whole uphill battle that they would have to fight. So like if she, if, if Delaney and Jackson have children together, children, yes. yeah. it seems like when a lot of these women sort of the point at which they want to get out of the church is when they kind of see the church's influence on their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. want to protect them. And so they want to get out and then the legal battle ensues. Honestly, it was Delaney, Delaney's story that kind of made me think about what the church looks like today. And, you know, people who are still in it, like how, what is the, what are they like? And so I looked on Instagram because I can never just watch a show in peace. And I always like to be doing (laughs) something else at the same time, but I went to their Instagram the Remnant Fellowship Instagram page and their most recent post, which was about a week ago, um, is just said 
please click the link in our bio for the official statement from Remnant Fellowship Church regarding the HBO documentary. And this statement, can I just tell you, is a very interesting read. It is bananas. Absolutely bananas. And I think some of it is is stuff that we haven't even gotten to yet in the first and second episodes. Um, but it is an indicator of things to come. I'm just blown away by it. Do they just outright deny everything? Oh, 100%. I mean, categorically just like gaslighting this whole show, saying this is yet another Hollywood attack on religion. Um, who's surprised by this, you know? But one of the most interesting things that I thought um, was one of, it was pretty far down of this checklist of like contradictions to, or denials of any accusations in the show. And it says, it's about <clears throat> the whole stance on body shame and, and the from the way down workshop. So it says, we do not body shame or bully anyone, as we know that God created all of us uniquely with different sizes, shapes, and weights. We also do not approach anyone about weight, but we help those who approach us wanting help. Otis Ruckman, a pulmonary and critical care physician who attends Remnant, sums this up well. Quote, everybody's different. God made us all different. We have big, sturdy, muscular people. We have thin, wispy people. We have all kinds of people. End quote. So big, but you have to be muscular and sturdy, whatever that, oh, whatever yeah. sturdy means. Y'all remember early on in quarantine when Trump got this bananas doctor to basically say that like the vaccine was bad and then it came out or sorry to say that the coronavirus was not a big deal. And then it came out that she also believed that like, um, she was an OBGYN, I think. And it also came out that she believed that like demons could be transmitted into women through sex or something mm. wild like that. I do remember that. I it don't. wasn't specifically Trump, but he, he, he platformed her up after she yeah. said all of that. Yeah. yeah. That just he, made me like think- get her. He, she was doing all that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's like finding a fringe doctor to support your claims. Like I just, it just reminded me of that. Like this pulmonary doctor, what's his whole deal? Because he's lying. Well, I think it's also, I mean, they're using him as evidence that they can't be fat phobic, but, and I think that's just (laughs) sort of, you know, the, the classic medical, like medical people are inherently trustworthy because they have a scientific background which is not to say that we shouldn't trust doctors but I think that's where we get into a lot of sticky situations with healthcare anyway with fat bias and um and things like that so it's just I mean it goes both ways like it's just gross yeah also that statement really contradicts what's on their website because the whole idea that like some people are smaller and some people are bigger and that's fine and whatever what it says on the website that's called like the way down workshop or something like that there's a clip of Gwen and she's talking about the reasons that people are fat and she specifically says it's not your genetics and and she's wrong okay so this episode 3 that we have not watched yet is going to be with this cliffhanger 
from this last episode about this murder case in Atlanta. I mean, I think it's going to get real. If it isn't already spicy, it's going to get real, real spicy. Yeah. Protect yourself. Please protect yourself. Yeah. And watching this and even listening to our episodes, like. Yeah, absolutely. This is heavy. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, I keep coming back to, there are a lot of things that we talk about that don't just exist within the way down workshop and remnant fellowship they exist in a lot of other places so if you have had those experiences definitely you know don't listen if that's not good for you right now so yeah um so we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another recap of the way down takedown uh but you will also be sure to listen to our regular season uh episode should be coming out shortly <laughs>